The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and there you'll see two uh, videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left side is from Bradley's show yesterday, and uh, you can catch that up until 3 o'clock Eastern if you want to do so, if you missed it yesterday and you want to do that. Um, and then on the right side is where we're at. Just click the play button, blow up whatever device you've got there, and then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner and click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. I'd love to see you over there. Uh, by the way, we are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. That's the channel over there. Also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page. And um, you can catch us on all of those 
different platforms there. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for a newsletter. Uh, please do that. You'll get that between 7 and 8 o'clock Eastern usually. Um, and that's all the articles that we have on the site for that day, including the Morning Show Archive. So if you hear a video, if you, you know, whatever, a document, a Bible verse, whatever the case is, all that stuff's listed in the archive. And um, so you can you can find it real easy, okay? So if you want to go back and you want to share something or you want to study something out yourself or whatever, you can do that. Um, and then finally, if you would like to keep us out there doing what we're doing, not just on Internet and radio, but out among the people, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation. Or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And uh, we appreciate you guys very much in keeping us out there doing what we're doing. Um, now, today, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to do uh, quite a bit of reading here. Um, and, and you guys, know, look, I can sit here and I can break down and we can go verse by verse, um, but, you know, digging out what's in the original language and all of this other stuff. But I, I got to tell you, this topic here is pretty, it's a pretty straightforward topic. It's a pretty simple topic. It's one the church needs to hear. Because people haven't changed, and so therefore the message hasn't changed. And this is it's this. It's that we are many members in the church. Now, if you're not a part, if you're not, if you don't have the faith of Abraham, if and that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who gave himself for sinners, if you don't have this, this does not apply to you. However, please listen because you can benefit from it too. You can benefit from hearing the message of what I'm going to say, okay? There's a, um, there are several things. Unfortunately, the, the, the church today is divided. It's, it's much like the divisions we're seeing taking place in the United States. And both are sinful, Remember, let me let me take you. I didn't even open this. I didn't even open this up. This is just kind of coming to mind. But you know, in Ma uh, Mark chapter six, you have what we referred to as the Lord's Prayer. It's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord's model prayer because the disciples ask him if he will teach them to pray, and he says, "So when you pray, you pray like this: Our Father in heaven, and so on." The real Lord's prayer is found just before is found the night before he is to be betrayed. And that is in John chapter 17. So this came to mind. I just I think this is probably a good setup for what we're going to talk about today. This is John chapter 17, and here's here's what Jesus is praying. Remember, he's agonizing in the garden while his disciples are sleeping. <laughs> These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. You see, this is that thing where this isn't in the hands of man. This is between the Father and Son. It's a promise the Father made to the Son before time began, before creation, however you want to see it. Before anything was made, the Father made a promise to the Son. He was going to... Give him a people. And those people would come to him, and Jesus would lose none of them, but as John chapter 6 says, raise them up at the last day. Okay? And this is eternal, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to, or thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Remember, this is the high priest here. This is Jesus the Christ. He says, I pray for them, the ones that the Father has given me. I pray for them, but I'm not praying for the world. Okay? But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. And now... I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Hmm. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, how are they one? Well, we know in, from the Old Testament, God is one. I am the Lord, I am the Lord your God. I, I am one God. Well, how do you have that, Tim, if you've got a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit? You have three persons who are the one God. You don't have three gods. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? It's beyond my comprehension who God is, except for what he reveals, and even at that sometimes staggers the imagination. But he is not like us. And we shouldn't try to make him out to be like us. In fact, he warns of people who does that. He says, you thought I was like you, but I'm not. So keep that in mind. But part of Jesus' prayer, part of his intercessory prayers, and I want to ask you something. Do you think that Jesus does not get from the Father what he asks? I want to ask you that. Do you think Jesus does not get from the Father what he asks? Yep. Yes, he does. He gets exactly from the Father what he asks. Because they are one. They're of the same mind. They're of the same substance, in fact. Jesus said that when he went to the Father, he was going to send back the Holy Spirit. He's going to be, he's, he's the same kind of spirit. He's of the same substance, the same essence. They're, the, they're of one mind. They have one purpose. That is to glorify God. It is not to glorify man, and not in the sense of bringing him worship. That's not, this, that's not what's going on there. But they have the idea that they want to bring glory to God, the Creator. Because, again, God's not an idolater, is he? So, with that said, uh, that's kind of the kickoff of where we're going here. I want to talk about giftings a little bit, within the body, and how they work together. Um, we're going to be reading some lengthy passages, so if you've got your Bible you want to bring those out, I will gladly point that out. I'm going to show them on the screen for our video audience, uh, but you guys are welcome to pull out yours as well. And we're just going to read the context. And again, I can go through and I can start picking out words, and we can do a word study and do all these kinds of things, and that's really neat. But I like to try to keep it simple in this format, 
So we read it in the context and we see what's going on so that we don't miss what's actually being said and so that we don't play Bible ping pong. Okay. Now I'm going to go through several passages, but it's to stay in a context. Because when you play Bible ping pong, you can make Scripture say whatever you want to say. You interpret the passage properly, and then if you can go to another passage, you can interpret that properly, and it can bolster what you interpreted out of this one. Great. If you can't do that, and you got to string along Bible verses to make up your theology, that's problematic for you and for anybody who listens to you. It really is. So with that said, one of the passages that uh, comes to mind first off, and there's going to be several of these, but it comes from 1 Corinthians 11. Okay? And beginning in verse 17 there, because I'm not going to go through the um, roles of men and women and the hair thing, because as soon as I say the hair thing, you're gonna, well, don't you have long hair? And then we're gonna get, everybody's going to be in this discussion about that. And if you read what's going on there and you see what, and you know what was going on in Corinth, uh, you'll know that gender bending is not new in history. It was going on there too. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to skip that part, but I'm going to come down to where he's talking about the body, okay, the body of Christ, and he's talking about the people. So here it is, Gen this is Genesis, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to begin at verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. Now, where does uh, James say these, these fightings and warrings and divisions come from? They come from yourselves, your own lust. That's where the divisions come. And I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place... This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. See, what they were doing was they came together for what they called a love feast. And the love feast was like, I don't know, we call it down south, a potluck. Everybody brings a dish, right? They bring something. And half the time, none of the stuff actually go together. <laughs> so you kind of just go through, and you get what you want, right? And it's a way of showing love for one another. You're sharing your food together. You're sharing the meal together. You're sharing, sharing real Christian fellowship together. Talking about the things of God. And spurring one another on to love and good works. Okay? So they're having what is equivalent to the potluck. And you've got rich people, and you've got poor people, and you've got middle class people and all of this. And they're bringing it in so everybody has something to eat for that week. And so as they're doing that, what's going on? Well, they're getting in their little cliques, and some people are over there eating all the food and being gluttons. And some people are over there drinking all the wine and becoming drunkards. And what does Paul say? Verse 22. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? See what he's saying? You people are hogging all the food and, and the drink over there, while your brother's sitting over the corner, and he doesn't have anything to eat or drink, and you're having a big party over there, and you're leaving them out. I, what are you doing here? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. I praise you not. 
For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he is supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, or the new covenant in my blood. Reference Daniel chapter 9, the end of the chapter, where he talks about establishing a covenant. That's not about Antichrist, people. That's about the Christ, and he's fulfilling it in the time frame that Daniel had in Daniel chapter 9. He's the one who put an end to sacrifice. Daniel did. or Not Daniel did. Jesus did, just as Daniel said he would. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now this is real interesting because this is the only thing that Christians are actually called to observe. We're not called to observe his birth. Nothing wrong with the Incarnation. Everything good about it, it needs to be preached, it needs to be remembered, it needs to be taught. But when it comes to a, an actual remembrance that's established, Jesus said, remember my death. You're showing the Lord's death till he comes. And you do it often, as often as you do it. You, um, you remember the Lord's death. Or you show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Then he says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak, and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. So you see before he gets to the issue of the Lord's table, he's called them out for being those who take the food and they become gluttons and drunkards, and they leave their brothers without anything, they're not showing them love. In other words, listen very carefully. They're not treating their brothers as they're part of the body of Christ. And that's why, after he instructs them about the Lord's table, he continues on that theme, and he'll continue in the next chapter, which we're going to see here. He says, Wherefore, my brethren, and I think when he's talking about discerning the Lord's body, I think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about if you, if you can't discern that your brother is the Lord's body and all this, that Christ has purchased them, well, there's a real problem here. You shouldn't be partaking of the Lord's table. Now, obviously, they should be in Christ, don't get me wrong, but he finishes up and he says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. Wait, let the other one go first. Let them go through the line. Let them get what they want first. Let your guests go before. Do all of that. Show love for one another. You know what Jesus said? You'll know my, you're no, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And waiting on one another is part of that. In fact, I guess in the modern tradition of when churches usually take the Lord's table, you wait till everybody is served and you take it together. And if any man hunger, 
If any man hunger, let him eat at home. That ye not come together under condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So, it seems clear to me that what he has in mind is the Lord's table, when they're coming there, they're doing these kinds of things. When they come for their love feast, this is what they're doing. And they're not showing love for one another. Rather, they're selfish. They're selfish. And so he's having to correct them. And then following this, he deals with their giftedness. He's not saying, listen, he's not going to start this out and say, oh, well, it's okay if you do this or whatever. He's not saying they don't have gifts either, by the way. They do have gifts. But the problem is, is they're using them selfishly. And he says as much. This is chapter 12, very next verse. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away into these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. I want you to catch that. Because I think some people need to understand that. Some people feel like, well, I don't have much. I, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I, you know, I'm not a preacher, or I'm not a, you know, whatever, whatever you think is better than somebody else. That's not what it says. Listen to me, brother or sister. There are diversities of gifts. I'm going to give you some of those gifts in a minute, but they come from the same Spirit. Why? Because we are all born, those of us in Christ, are all born of the same Spirit from the same Father. That's why we can call Him Father. And so, the Spirit gives these gifts as He wills, not as we will. And sometimes, some of us have two or three gifts, or many gifts that are exercised. We usually have a dominant gift that's part of the character of our, our Christian walk. But this is the way it goes. So, he says, And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now, he's not talking about every man as in every single individual on the earth, because that's not what's going on, because the Spirit is only given to those who believe. Okay? So keep that in mind. So what he's saying is, you, you could understand it as every believing man. That's really the context. of I mean, go back to the chapter 11. That's exactly what you're seeing. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. So that's a gift. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So that's a gift. To another, faith by the same Spirit. So that's a gift. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. So that's a gift. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of those are different gifts that the Spirit gives. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. And again, we're back to that body issue, discerning the Lord's body. Who is the Lord's body? It's the believers. From every tribe, tongue, people, nation. I had a guy in one of the chats the other day 
uh, he was saying, well, I, I don't pray for my enemies. Well, Jesus said that you should. Well, all those Muslims are out to kill us. Yeah, and Jesus said he's going to save people out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Do you think that includes Muslims? That he's going to save those guys from that false religion? Some of those guys out of that? Yeah. Do you think he's going to save some of them out of the fake Judaism, um, the, 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 any, the, the stuff that's going on that we talked about yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. You think he's going to save people out of communist China? Yeah. Russia, Africa, Brazil, Mexico. Yeah, he's going to save people out of all of them, man. And we should pray for our enemies. That doesn't mean we don't bring justice against the guilty, but we should pray for our enemies. But the point is, is this. There's one body, right? So, let me add in. I'm just going to bring these in just as pointing out to you gifts that are a part of the body, and then I'm going to come back to Corinthians. I know that sounds like I'm going out of context, but it's just a part of the gifting. That's all I'm using it for is to show you uh, the gifts here. So let's quickly look at Romans chapter 12. Okay, and that's all I'm going to use it for, and then I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians 12. So Paul, in verse 1, he writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And we talked about this this past Sunday a little bit. Um, you know, uh, what does a sacrifice do? Well, a sacrifice dies, doesn't it? And yet Paul says you're to be a living sacrifice, holy, that's set apart, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why? Why is it a reasonable service for us to be set apart, to be holy? Because we've been set free from sin. We don't continue on in sin. We're to be holy. We're to submit ourselves. We are to die daily. We are to, as Jesus said, take up the cross and follow him. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you do that? How do you renew your mind? By the word of God. The bread of life, Jesus Christ, right? For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, accordingly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, I've heard people twist this into all kinds of stuff. Well, every man has faith, so every man can believe the gospel. No, they can't. No, they can't. In fact, Paul would go on in Corinthians and he would state that they're blinded. They can't even understand it. And I'm talking about under... It's not that they can't regurgitate Jesus died for sins and was buried. And re, they can't submit themselves to it. They don't understand it to the point they can submit themselves to it and be obedient. They can't do it because they're carnal and they need to have a new birth. And how does that happen? As men preach the word of God and the spirit of God directs to those who are God's elect and he makes them alive. See, the message goes out the same to whoever, because we don't know who the elect are. We just preach to everybody hoping that God's going to show them mercy like he did us. Okay? Simple as that. So he says that. He's talking about dealt to every man the measure of faith. What he's talking about is in the body. Who is Romans written to? Is it written to the world? No, it's not. It's written to the believers, the saints at Rome. So... 
Verse 4, he says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. When you get, if you have in your mind that you're better than somebody else in, in, in the body, you need to repent and understand you're a part of that same body and their function and their gifting is just as important as yours is. Because they all work together. Just like your body does. You don't get a cut on your hand and say, oh, this hand, you're just such a bad hand. I'm just going to cut you off and use this one. You don't do that. That's just stupid, isn't it? You look after that hand. We're going to see that in just a little bit. You look after that hand and you protect it to get it better so that you can use it again so that you have two hands that work together instead of just one, right? All right. So he says this. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Your gift, whatever it is, is a gift from God. It is grace. You didn't do anything to merit it. God was gracious in giving you your gift, and don't boast in your gift. Boast in the one who gave you the gift. Right? Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. So in the middle of this, you see different giftings. See if you have any of these giftings. See if this is part of the character of your life if you're a believer. Do you have the gift of prophesying? I'm not talking about you're telling people what's coming in their future or stuff like that. I'm talking about do you have the ability to take the scriptures and communicate the, the essence of what they're saying? And it's effective. That is a gift of prophecy, taking the word of God and expounding it so that when you speak, it is as though God is speaking through you his own words. Okay? What about ministering? What about teaching? What about the ability to exhort others? What about giving? What about those who rule? Might talk about elders and such there. What about showing mercy? Yeah, all those are gifts. I'm sure everybody listening to me, you probably have one of these gifts. You might have some of those we read over there in 1 Corinthians. But these are gifts too. Then we have these. Over here in 1 Corinthians, or it's 1 Corinthians, Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking again, beseech you, sounds like Romans 12, doesn't it? That you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
So this is, he's given the Ephesians the same message that he's given the Corinthians. You guys need to be unified in the spirit, in the bond of peace, not divided, not attacking one another, not leaving one another out, not you know, being hateful to one another or selfish towards one another, but keep the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Sorry, guys, I know there's some people out there that says, well, you need a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. It's one. You either have the Spirit of God or you don't. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And it's just simply talking about his death and resurrection and his ascension. Okay? And remember, he told the disciples on the night he was to be betrayed, when he's sitting at the table, he says, it's necessary that I go back to the Father. Because if I don't go, the Spirit won't come. And the Spirit's going to be with you, and he's also going to be in you. Okay? It's going to be in you. So the gift that, that Christ gives to his people is the Spirit of God. And he goes on. Here's gifts, because he just, he just talked about this, right? And he gave some apostles, that's a gift, and some prophets, that's a gift, and some evangelists, that's a gift, and some pastors and teachers, that's a gift. That's not an office, that's really a gift, the office is usually portrayed as an elder, usually. Uh, for, for, and that's why we refer, usually refer to them as a pastor, one who shepherds a flock. And why did he give these? Was it so you could be puffed up about your gift? Nope. These gifts, the ones he lists here, were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. A minister is not the guy behind the pulpit. He's like the coach. Okay, The saints, those who hear the message, are like the basketball team or the football team or whatever, you want to, whatever sport you want to pull in there. And the coach is to instruct them on how they are to play the game, if you, if you want to use that kind of illustration. He, this is the work of ministry. The ministry of what? The ministry of reconciliation, because he talks about that here too. The ministry of reconciling men back to God through Jesus Christ. And so they are there for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that henceforth, what's, what does that look like? That henceforth be no more, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for, uh, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So why does God give gifts? Well, some gifts are given 
for, obviously, what we see here, training the saints in the work of ministry, perfecting them, edifying the body of Christ. The other gifts we read out of Romans 12, therefore the edifying of the the body of Christ. The ones we read out of 1 Corinthians 12, therefore the edifying of the body of Christ. They're not for your own use and to puff yourself up. They're not. And any man that does that needs to have a rebuke to him. And that's what Paul was doing here in 1 Corinthians 12. He's doing just that. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. I just wanted to give you a flavor of those other gifts that are there, okay, that the Bible records for us. And there may be other gifts. I don't know. But those are the ones we're at least given in Scripture. Okay, so we're going to stick with those. And we go back to 1 Corinthians 12. And here's what he says. So after he lists those things, and I think I read this before, but let's just cover it again. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ is not divided, is he? Yeah, he, he's, he's not divided. Remember, Paul even takes that... that That kind of illustration, when they say, he says, I hear that some say I'm of Apollos, and some say I'm of Paul. And he goes, well, was was I crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Apollos? Any of this kind of stuff? No. Is Christ divided? No, he's not. If you get hung up on a personality, the personality is going to let you down every time. If you're hung up on me, and I don't know why anybody would be, or if you're hung up on Bradley Dean or your favorite preacher out there, if that is if that is what you exalt, and you're going to be let down sooner or later. You just are. You're going to be let down. Christ is not divided. Keep your eyes on him. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. See, if you get guys, I'm going to tell you, and I've been around some of the guys, they'll say they're called to preach, but they're not preaching. There was a young man, don't even know him, but my son came home and he's like, Dad, the guy's saying he's going to a Bible college, he's going to be a preacher. He says, but he doesn't work. He comes to work, and he does a couple of things, and then he'll slack off for two hours talking to somebody else away from his workstation, and then he'll come over here and fuss at me because something. And he'll make it out like my son is somehow sinning or whatever. He's just doing his job over there. And I look at him and I say, well, doesn't the Bible say something about doing your work as unto the Lord? And the guy walks away. Well, the guy got fired. Here recently. He got fired. He bore a bad witness. That's a testimony about what he believes about Christ. It brings shame to the gospel. 
And, and that's what he was doing. So keep that in mind when we, when we look at these things. Um, this, is, this is, again, the gifts that God has given. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, or let me, let me back up just this one. But now hath God set them, all the members, every one of them, in the body, and it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. Okay? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Hmm. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. We build one another up, thanking God for the giftedness that God has given to each of us because it benefits all of us. Remember, the gifts are for the edifying of the body, not for the tearing down of it. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered uh, the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which, part which lack. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer or whether... Uh, and whether one member suffer, or all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues, are all apostles? Nope. Are all prophets? Nope. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But he does tell you this. Covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now, I know what we do. We take and we stop right there and we say, okay, that's completely different and separate from chapter 13. But what you have to understand is this is a letter that was written. There were no verses. There were no chapters. Paul's saying, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. <laughs> and what is that? Now, most of us, including unbelievers, would be somewhat familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, which is the very next line that comes out of his pen. Okay? And I want you to see what he says because it ties right back it, this is the full context of what we talked about about 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. And that was that we love, right? That we are to love one another. And here's what he says. What's the more excellent way that you're going to show us, Paul? Well, I'm going to tell you. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, if you don't know what that means, let me let me give it to you. You got you ever heard of any of these guys? And I'm going to tell you, for the most part, I, I see these guys on television. Um, well, I used to see them. I don't even see them now because I don't watch any of it. But I, I, I used to see them, and they come out and they go, and 
And it's not a language. They're just gibbering. And, and by the way, Paul does address that later on. I'm not going to get into that uh, about the glossolalia. That's the Greek word that's used there, where he uses tongues. And it's not a language. It's gibberish. That's what it is. They're trying to make themselves out to be something that they're not, that they're somehow spiritual. They have this spiritual gift of tongues, and they can do all that. And you can tell it. You can tell it's not a language. It's gibberish that they're doing. What he's saying is, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I have the ability to speak in different languages, but I don't have charity, and charity is love, right? That's what love is. I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Any of you guys ever been uh, to, I don't know, one of these little kids' events where, you know, they have like a small orchestra or something, and you'll get the little guy maybe, and I'm talking about like really, really small um, when they're like in kindergarten or first, second grade kind of ages and such. And you got the guy, he's got the cymbals, and it's just chang, and then he gets into it, and he just starts doing stuff. And it just kind of, instead of it being something that is a part of what's going on, he gets into his own thing. It's kind of like that. Or it's trying to make music with just the cymbals, right? It's, it's a thing like that. You're, you're just making a racket. That's what you're doing. You got tongues of men and angels, but you don't have love. You're like a noisy racket, an annoying racket that's going on. That's what he's saying. And then he says this, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. So it doesn't matter if you figured out every prophecy in the Bible as to how it works and, and done and everything. It doesn't matter if you have, have faith that can move a mountain. doesn't matter if you know all of the bad guys in the world, the Freemasons and, and, and the, the, the Vatican and, and the, um, the Sabatine Frankens. And all. If, you don't have, if you know all that stuff but you don't have love, you're nothing. Your knowledge is nothing. And maybe you can preach. You have a great preaching ability, but you don't have love, you're nothing. You're nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love or charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they'll cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. For when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity.
Now, he goes on in chapter 14, and he corrects this whole thing about tongues. We're not going to spend time on that because that would that would really get us bogged down in a lot of stuff, and I'm not interested in doing that like I'm not interested in getting into the hair discussion this morning either. But what I do want to do is I want to give you an example where two gifted guys, um, and we know they were gifted uh, in the body, two gifted men had a disagreement over something. And I want you to see the difference of how the gifts work, okay? There's not a division over them, but there is a there is sort of a separation of how, how they go about doing their ministry, okay? So check this out. This is Acts chapter 15. Now, if you remember, Acts chapter 15 is where the elders in Jerusalem are dealing with the Judaizers over, you've got to have faith and you have to keep the law in order to be saved. Don't mistake that for the message of the Sons of Liberty, because we don't believe that. We believe you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That justifies a man, according to what Abra- or what Paul argues um, of the story of Abraham, where Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay? But we believe that that faith produces in us, or the new birth that God gives us, produces in us good works. Ephesians 2.10 is a prime example of that. Okay? So they're having this, this thing go on. They come, to, they come to a settlement of what the Gentiles should be told, the Gentiles who have come to Christ in Asia Minor. And so they you know, write out this, this, uh, these instructions. They're going to send them out to them. And um, here, here's what goes on. At the end of Acts chapter um, 12, I'm sorry, that was Acts chapter 15. I don't know why my mind was in that. I'm going to get to Acts chapter 15 in a second. Acts chapter 12 is where Herod is out there arrayed in all these shiny uh, garments and stuff. Sorry about that. That was, that was my fault. Um, I got ahead of myself. Uh, he was arrayed in the shiny garments. He was speaking, and the people said, It's the voice of a God, not a voice of a man. And um, Herod didn't correct them. He didn't repent of that. He just let them carry on, much like a per- certain person today uh, in the political arena. And uh, the Bible says he was smote by an angel, and he died of worms. Okay? In fact, that's you can see that up here. I, I don't know why I went on the other. Anyway, and as a result of that... The word of God grew and multiplied, verse 24 of chapter 12 of Acts. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Okay, so they went to fulfill their ministry and they took with them this guy, Mark. Right? Now, what's so important about that? Well, I'm going to give you just two passages we'll go through, and I want you to see the difference in the giftingness of, of Paul and Barnabas, okay? So real quickly, here's the context of Acts chapter 15, which is what I said a minute ago about the Jerusalem elders. Verse 34, let's just pick it up with there. Notwithstanding it pleased Silas to abide there, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of God with many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of God or word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. See, they had already taken him. Barnabas wanted to take him again. But Paul thought not good to take him with them. 
who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention between Paul and Barnabas over this was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So something happened here, and the division was over this guy Mark. Now let me let you in on something. Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. That's, that's what his name means, Barnabas. Son of encouragement. He wants to take Mark. He sees something in Mark in which he believes his giftedness can be effectual in the life of Mark. And Paul's not having it. Paul's like, look, I got stuff to do. I got to get it done. I don't have time to babysit. So they split. Now they're still in the Lord. Some people say, well, was Paul wrong into it? Nope, I don't think he was wrong in it. He went and did what he did. And the Lord split them in their ministry. They actually covered more ground this way, if you, if you ask me. And Barnabas and Mark go to Cyprus. And what happens? Well, we're not told. We're not told what happens with these guys. But I can tell you this. When you come down to the end of Paul's life, we know something happened with Mark. I'm going to show you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Beginning of verse 8. Let's get the context here. Henceforth, there is laid up for me... Paul's looking at the end of his life. Okay? Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Do they do thy diligence to come shortly unto me? For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And then he says this, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. <laughs> God used Barnabas to mature Mark. See, sometimes we're not going to see eye to eye on certain things, and that's okay. Because the same Spirit is doing something in us despite the difference of our gifting. And that gifting comes from Christ, the one who gave himself, the just for the unjust, that he might redeem us unto God. I hope this is encouraging to you. Uh, whatever gift you have, use it today for the glory of God, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Lord willing, we'll see you in the morning, 6 a.m. Adios.